Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Late Night Drives podcast. In this week's episode, we have Sai Bodapalli with us to help unpack the eventful French GP. Hey Sai, welcome to the Late Night Drives podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so what did you think of this uh, race? I thought it was really interesting in terms of strategy and generally I didn't expect this race to have any drama, but it was really, really interesting and very intense actually, all the way till the end. Yeah, absolutely. Like usually Paul Ricard is just a snooze fest. Yeah. I was hearing this stuff the other day. I think out of the last 108 laps, Lewis Hamilton led 106. Yes. Paul Ricard. Yeah. And I was expecting this to be a Mercedes domination, but it became pretty clear on Friday practice, I think, and well into FP3 that Mercedes might not be favorites here. Yeah. But you never know with them, you know, the sandbagging and the complaining and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely uh, I would say a five star race. You know, I was in my seat for every single lap. Uh, it was one of those races which was really interesting because we talk about exciting races, we talk about like crashes and this and variable weather, but this was just like one of those like core strategy yeah. you know, races. And you could see this unfolding from like lap twenty five. And you knew we're going to get like, you know, we're going to get a duel, like maybe four or five laps at the end, or you're hoping for it. Yeah. And that kept you really, really, really plugged in. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought it was a great race. Very, very surprising. Yeah. So uh, I was actually quite impressed with Hamilton uh, and his car setup. I, I mean, a lot of people say that uh, he sandbags and basically like through practice and uh, yeah. he, he, he doesn't really show the true potential of the car, but I don't know. Somehow it did seem like he was doing that this weekend. I think he was genuinely struggling through practice and at least uh, the first part of qualifying. And um, the commentators were saying that he, he made setup changes all the way up to Q1. And it was yeah. only in Q1 that he actually felt comfortable with the car. So I thought that was really impressive. I mean, for him to qualify second from there was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he pulled it out of the bag. Uh, he was in kind of a similar situation in uh, Baku as well. Correct, exactly. And then, yeah. you know, suddenly he's up there. Uh, I, I don't think that he had um, the qualifying pace. Um, and, you know, but he was somehow able to kind of make it work and, and stick it on the front row. Yeah. And uh, had the lead for a significant portion of the first part of the race too. Yeah, I think that mistake that Verstappen made into the first corner... I think everybody was basically struggling with the uh, tires and wind. Uh, wind in the first yeah. part of the Grand Prix. You know, Pirelli uh, ensuring that all cars had two PSI extra, I think yeah. sort of caught a lot of people off guard uh, this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think that kind of, you know, played into the strategist's hands there, right? And the strategists yeah. either, you know, Either they got promoted and really earned their money, or they got kind of <laughs> they got shown their place this weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think you know Red Bull were the ones who uh, really, really saw the issues with the Pirelli tires very early on. Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that these tires are not going to last as long as they thought, uh, and Mercedes did. And uh, I think that's kind of what uh, you know was was pretty much the deciding factor uh, in the race with the strategy. I think I think both Lewis and Max were excellent in the race, but I think uh, this was definitely a, a race of strategy and whoever got that right call was going to end up on top. I mean, they played it really smart in terms of like yeah. Red Bull pitting Verstappen a second time yeah. on lap 32, 
and I mean this it it was sort of like a uh, what do you call it like a, a retaliation from it, yeah. Barcelona, you know, yeah. Mas, like Mas by Mercedes did the same thing, yeah. and but uh, a lot of the drivers were saying they didn't expect the undercut to be that strong. Do you think that is actually the case with all the you know the strategic prowess that these teams have? Do you actually think that they wouldn't know how much the undercut would like be beneficial to them? Uh, it's possible. I think like one of the things that you were saying was about you know the, the last minute changes in the recommendations to the mm. tire pressure. There are a lot of folks speculating that that's probably what caused the tires to fall off faster than expected, and so this caught the strategists like off guard. But I think what was uh, the most impressive aspect for me was um, I think Red Bull was really, really proactive in taking the race into their own hands. You know, they weren't too concerned about, I mean, they're obviously concerned, but they weren't like their whole, their sole focus was not figuring out what Mercedes is going to do. Yeah. You know, they were looking at their data, they were understanding their own pace, their own program. I think also having Sergio Perez go along, like, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. You know, like, sometimes you wonder whether he even, like, needs a pit stop, but because of the mandatory change, yes. But uh, I think they, they kind of were great in um, mixing up their strategy and being proactive. And I think that just shows that they have a lot of confidence in their car and also a lot of confidence in Max as well, right? Where they're like, you know, we're not going to wait for Mercedes to do something and then us playing defense. We're going to take it to the offense. And they had Mercedes playing defense, you know, pretty much the whole race. Um, yeah, they were they were the from the very beginning. Yeah, I think what Max pitted on lap thirty two and uh, came out. Uh, I think he had he was like what eighteen seconds behind Hamilton and had about nineteen yeah. laps to go, or I think the other way around, yeah. or something like that. So, yeah. of yeah. course, it was uh, confidence in the driver that makes a team uh, take such a decision, right? That he can actually eke out yeah. a second a lap and you know two oh, seconds yeah. a lap to begin with. And, <laughs> Uh, actually yeah. overtake ha- Hamilton. Uh, but yeah, going further down the field, I actually thought Aston's had uh, a great strategy again this weekend, you know, starting <laughs> both drivers on uh, hard tires. And yeah, I, 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 it was amazing to see that uh, Verstappen pitting for the second time in lap 32 and like ha- Hamil- uh, sorry, Vettel and Stroll still going on their original yeah, set of hard tires. Yeah. So I thought yeah, their strategy like, uh, worked well. Definitely. Yeah. It was like a copy and paste job from the last two races, right? With Seb and the overcut. Yeah. I think um, I think in this race, I, think, I was reading somewhere that he actually had an off for like three seconds and that wasn't shown on TV. Hmm. He could have probably finished ahead of Gasly had that not happened. And he yeah. had a slow pit stop. Yeah. Um, but I think the gains that you can make on a more traditional track like Paul Ricard with that strategy are going to be a little bit less. Yeah. And uh, he qualified as well as he would have liked either this time around. Yeah, but I think that just exactly. I was going to say the same thing. I think it just shows that that's where the car is probably at. I mean, it's just the strategy that's helping them move forward in the field. Uh, Another uh, person who went along uh, during the race was Lando Norris, who was very skeptical of uh, his team strategy, but it paid dividends at the end, him finishing fifth. Yeah, he finished ahead of Ricardo. Uh, yeah. And and for a long time in the race, it looked like Ricardo had the measure of him. Um, and uh, he finished just one spot behind him in the end. I think Ricardo finished in sixth, right? Yeah. And I think that's a pretty, pretty good, you know, team result from McLaren. Yeah. You know, because, you know, seeing where they're at with uh, 
you know, their battle with Ferrari. And I think Ferrari generally had kind of the, the better two of the weekends. Of course, with Charles not competing in Monaco, you know, they missed out on two cars in the points, mm. but Carlos Sainz finished second in Monaco. Yeah. And then they were solidly in the points as well, and McLaren didn't really have those weekends. Yeah. So McLaren was kind of on the back foot, but they've always looked like the most more convincing car in race conditions. Uh, and uh, they really brought it, you know, at Paul Ricard. Um, unlike uh, unlike their foes at Ferrari. Yeah, I think they've pretty much, like you said, got the measure of Ferrari on, on race Sundays. I mean, Ferraris tend to be quick on Saturdays, quicker than the McLarens, at least during qualifying. But I think uh, Charles struggled all weekend. Uh, I, I don't know whether it was set up, whether it was just the layout of the track probably doesn't suit his driving style or... I mean, at least it suits signs much better. He seemed to be, you know, the smooth operator in quote. <laughs> so, yeah, signs has looked uh, really, really good at uh, yeah. Ferrari since he got to them, right? He's yeah. Been, I would say he's been the most convincing of the switchers to a new team, right? Um, settled in there very well. But I'm struggling to recall a situation where a team has been like such a strong qualifier and such a poor race car. Like, I have to think back to like, you know, maybe like Toyota in 2006 mm. or something. Mm. Yano truly on pole and then finishing like 12th because it just eats up its tires. Yeah. It was just a, it was a disaster from Ferrari. And like, they just, I, I was worried that, I mean, I think one of the Ferraris did finish behind a Williams, right? And finished behind Charles. Alfa Romeo. Yeah, Charles finished. Charles finished. Yeah, hey, but hey, Russell back. finished 12th, man. You have to give it to yeah, him. Like, 12th. Yeah, that is, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he finished, finished ahead of... Okay, Sunoda started from the uh, pit lane. The but pit like, lane, he yeah. finished ahead of Ocon. Yeah. He finished ahead of Giovinazzi. He finished ahead of Raikkonen. Yeah. yeah. You have to give Where it to him. Where did he qualify? Did he qualify around there too? Uh, he made it to Q2. He made it to Q2 like he always does. Uh, yeah. He qualified... Uh, 14th. 14th, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he and Mick made it to Q2. Yeah. That is surprising. Yeah. But I think uh, Mick made it to Q2 only because of, uh, well, Sunoda's accident. And I think uh, yeah. that red flag kind of screwed over like a whole bunch of drivers, including Stroll and Raikkonen, right? So, yeah, yeah that's probably yeah, why that's Mick it. made it to uh, Q2. Mick made it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Probably, probably taking a, a page out of. Uh, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc's book. Yeah, the Ferrari um, playbook. Yeah. yeah. Getting a, a red flag out to ensure you are qualifying. Uh, I mean, you could say if it's a red flag, then, you know, kind of uh, calling the session to an end, taking a page out of his dad's playbook. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough. Probably a <laughs> page out of his dad's playbook <laughs> makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was an absolute shocker of a race for Ferrari. Um, even even the home hero Ocon sort of struggled a little. Gasly still did really well. I mean, playing yeah. to his home crowd, and yeah. I think he Gasly ends up bringing it every weekend. He yeah. fired to P seven somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah. Just, Max, he yeah, says yeah. right, he maximized his points, and he can't be upset. And that's that's yeah. uh, pretty much it. Uh, any other like highlights for you from the race that you thought uh, like were like key moments of the race? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I think with with five laps to go, or when yeah, when Verstappen hadn't got past uh, Bottas, right? You know, I was I was worried that Red Bull had got it wrong hmm. um, because at the point in time where it looked like 
Lewis was able to maintain the gap uh, against Max. And there was a point in time where it looked like Max's tires were falling off towards the end and the strategy didn't pay off. And I kept thinking about whether Red Bull had brought him in too early for the second pit stop. Like, did they need to do that? Yeah. Because it wasn't like he was losing ground at that point. They were super proactive, but yeah. could they have kept him out like a few more laps and then made the switch so that he was on fresher tires at the end? But he, I mean, he had me fooled because once he once he was up in second place, I mean, I think he got Hamilton with two laps to spare. It's a pretty yeah. easy move, and he, and he said fastest lap as well. So I mean, that was something that uh, you know, I was a little concerned about in between. I honestly think that Mercedes had the car capable of winning this race. You know, like maybe not qualifying on pole, but had they done the two stopper, you know, I I think they would have finished ahead of Red Bull. I think so too. I, I don't uh, think anybody disagrees with that. I mean, Bottas made it abundantly says, clear. Lewis says Red Bull had the, the car. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe so, that. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think Bottas made clear. it absolutely clear on the radio, right? Yeah. That uh, Yeah, like if you had just listened to me and like pit me again, I would have been able to fight for four. Like for the, yeah. the win. He's right? got, his, got his own other demons to, to fight yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Whether he's going to be in the team or not next year. But I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think Toto said it as well in the post race interviews that, you know, like we have the car to win the race today. It just didn't happen. So I think they can take that conference with them to uh, Austria. It's not, not really been a great track for Red Bull, but neither has Paul Ricard. And uh, we saw what happened here. You know, you know, no, yeah, they're they're full of confidence. So three wins on the uh, I just want to talk about one more thing about the race, which sure. is uh, the two McLarens overtaking Alonso. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that though that was on lap eleven, and Lando's move to overtake Alonso at that point was, it was insane. Delicious. It was butter. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I mean, to catch someone like Alonso off guard, yeah, it may take some skill. Yeah, I think he was a little stunned by. I think Daniel got past him first, right? Yeah, yeah. And then a couple of corners later, Lando got him. And I think yeah. he's just like a little like bewildered at what happened. Yeah. But I mean, but that move from Lando was just what the like, DRS wasn't that effective actually for this race. It was kind of uh, refreshing. So actually, on the main straight, it wasn't, but it ended up being quite helpful on the Mistral straight, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like one. I think it was. I mean, there's there's some of these races where you have like three DRS zones and you just yeah. like let it fly. And, you know, it's uh, it's a happy compromise we have right now. So. But the stat in this race was that if you were uh, if you had your DRS open in both uh, zones of the race over one lap, uh, it was a seven tenth gain. Oh, wow. That's why it ended up being the Mistral straight uh, and the chicane there, which was the more uh, overtaking friendly corner as opposed to like turn one. Uh, yeah. And the nice thing, the straights aren't that long also on this track. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Some straights like, you know, like Sochi and stuff like where it's just going Baku, on forever. Baku, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you're actually kind of at a disadvantage if you're leading over this. Yeah. Place, right? so. Yeah. I actually thought on lap six when Hamilton complained about his tires giving way to his engineer, I thought it was a premonition yeah. of him winning for sure because every time oh, in the yeah, past where he's complained, yeah. So I thought that was a premonition, but apparently that didn't really uh, yeah. go through. But 
so sai who according to you were the, like the winners and the losers the major winners and losers for this race yeah i think uh, i think the winners are pretty easy here um i think definitely red bull winners you know as a team solid mm-hmm. team result right there one and three i don't know how many how many points did they lead the constructors by 20 something points now uh it's, it's sizable yeah because i think even bottas is behind lando norris now, yeah you know, so. i i'll just tell you that it's yeah it's well over it's about uh, 30 odd points yeah so yeah. that's so that's expanding and uh, yeah. you know um hopefully i think they would have been more disappointed by the result at baku than mercedes even though hamilton had that win i think yeah you can walk into that situation yeah. so red bull are the big winners here um really really good result from mclaren as well fifth and sixth uh you know especially considering that they're fighting with ferrari for the you know the third place in the championship yeah uh gasly is is up there i would say like a, an even result for aston martin probably where they would expect to finish up hmm. um i think the big losers if i have to highlight uh individuals i think valtteri was it was just uh it was yeah not really for any fault of his own i thought he i mean he was amazing through free practice he had a pretty decent qualifying run and uh he was he was just kind of left out to dry yeah um, and so there's no love lost there uh, yeah. in that relation i feel right now so he's definitely one of the big losers um i'd say esteban ocon is another one um fresh off of that contract signing three yeah, years yeah yeah three years extension this slid back uh and uh, uh i would say also as a team ferrari is just you know this is going to be one that they just want to for really really fast yeah. you know uh, i think sign still was... finished on par but uh, charles was a terrible race for charles him. was just uh, i think he was off he was off of it just throughout the yeah. weekend yeah. just not in his weekend I, i think another uh loser out of this and um, i think this one is going to be one that uh people are going to start talking a little bit more about is uh, is yuki sonoda like i think you know every time we start to see some daylight and consistency um you know we we start to see these mistakes and i think he crashed out in his first lap of qualifying right it's yeah. an outlap i think he was no, no, no no he, he had just outlap. started his uh first his lap, yeah. right yeah and uh, he binned it right yeah. and then um, you know it, it was a disaster and and um you know i'm not sure how he's going to recover from this but uh i would say that uh, he's definitely got a lot of talent but something needs to change like he just needs a clean weekend um and it's just i think one thing he had a clean weekend in baku right not really he crashed it? in baku as well monaco qualifying crash in monaco no he didn't crash in something monaco like but it was the first time he was driving there so like i think he was very yeah. careful there yeah yeah, yeah yeah exactly probably i think he crashed the previous race and that's why yeah. he was careful so he keeps having these like you know okay i've i've had a good solid weekend and then he goes next and and i think the sad thing is uh, they have a really good car this year i was actually yeah. going to say that i think maybe gasly is probably if they had two good drivers this year you know i actually feel like perhaps gasly is overperforming i don't know if their car is as good as like gasly is making it out to be uh, yeah. and i think he's that pressure is just on sunoda to like perform at his level maybe well, that's yeah. why he's making those mistakes it's possible yeah i think another big loser was uh, alpine 
as a team oh, they showed yeah. a lot of promise uh, over the you know practice and even qualifying to a certain yeah. extent yeah. but uh, I, i don't think they did yeah i don't think they finished where they were hoping to finish personally yeah their race pace is, has yeah. also been lacking but i think uh, i think all of the eyeballs were off of them given how badly ferrari <laughs> performed this week yeah that's fair enough disaster uh looking forward to the next uh, two races sai both are at austria uh verstappen's of course and red bull have got the momentum going but historically they've never had very good results at their home race at yeah. the red bull ring uh what do you think is going to happen what are your predictions for the race <laughs> and how do you think who's going to finish where like who, who do you think yeah. are your top 3 top 3 hmm This is going to be a tough one, but I, I think maybe I'll start with who might finish third. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a McLaren in third in one of these races. You know, like they're really, really quick on the straight line. This is a this is a fast, free-flowing circuit. Um, you know, I, I would say that they could potentially be in the mix. Um, with regards to who's going to win, maybe one apiece to uh, Verstappen and Hamilton. Okay. Um and then maybe one of piece to Bottas and Perez in second but I would like to see a McLaren if I had to pick a, an outsider team to potentially land you know, on the podium it would be McLaren Okay. Point. and I'm hoping we get an outsider finish. Hmm. I I don't think uh, that's going to be the case. I feel like it's uh, <laughs> I, I feel like Red Bulls yeah. has the momentum with it. and yeah. at least for the next race i think uh, verstappen is going to probably take it that's my opinion at least uh, yeah. but uh, you never know i hope i'm proved wrong just to make the championship yeah. more interesting definitely because we got you know we got uh, the british grand prix after that yeah you know and mercedes is always going to do well the hungarian grand prix as well yeah. belgium for sure so you know and and usually the second half of the season is when lewis comes alive He's actually had a pretty decent start when you think about it. Like it's his best start. It's his best championship start after the last two races. But yeah, I mean, apart from the last race, I think the Marco screwed him over. But yeah, otherwise, it's been his best start. So he's up there. There's just something that looks a bit more convincing about this title challenge from Red Bull than like two challenges that Ferrari put up in 17 and 18. Yeah, where it just looked. They were fighting by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, and yeah. Stressed out. There's, everything just seems a little bit more calm at Red. It's a long season ahead, and I hope it's as yeah. I hope it remains as close as it has been so far. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot, Sai, for uh, joining me for this episode uh, of the Late Night Drives podcast. I hope we do this again soon. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having yeah. me. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Take care. All right. See ya. So that's it for this week guys thanks so much for tuning in hope you have a great night do follow us on our social channels to keep updated uh, that's late night drives podcast on instagram and late night drives on twitter